guys, welcome back for another episode of It's Too Late. I am your host, Alan Mosley, joined as always by the number one producer in late night. It's Sherry Voluntary. Sherry, how are you doing? You... Muy bueno. Oh, it's Cinco de Mayo. I, I was going to ask you if you have your Mexican beer that starts with a C word, but that would get us deplatformed. Yeah. But it was really an innocent question. I swear to God. I'm numero uno, though. I do like that. <laughs> That's very good. You know, this is this is the time of year where you think, well, there's not a lot of holidays, but there actually is a lot of holidays. Yeah. So this weekend you have Mother's Day, which yeah. no one cares about. Right. But, the, but right now you have Cinco de Mayo, which is just an excuse for everyone to, to get drunk and pretend they're Mexican. Yeah, it's just like Saint, it's the Southern St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> I don't know. I've seen a lot of people in the South just just do both. Just yeah, do them. They drink all yeah. the time. Yeah. But yesterday was May 4th, which of course mm. is Star Wars Day. Yay! And, and I don't want to go on a big tangent about, about Star Wars and making this a big pop culture thing, but a lot of people who know me are aware that I, I saw Force Awakens. It was totally garbage. Mm-hmm. I didn't even watch the next two movies. I never will. Yeah, they're, they're just cool. awful. I know what happens. Like, I don't need to see them. I know what happens. They literally ruined Star Wars. Disney, the Disney movie trilogy specifically, were just the worst things on screen. Yeah, I mean, just um, for you know, emasculating Luke Skywalker mm-hmm. and killing off Han, and mm-hmm. and really just in general, you're kind of forcing the audience, spoon feeding them these new characters that that have no charisma, no likability, right. while while moving aside the legacy characters that everyone (laughs) came to know and love, right? Yeah, literally destroying them. There were some rumors out there that... I love a good rumor. Because, of course, Kathleen Kennedy, who has been the creative lead, the president of of Lucasfilm for for Disney, she has been the one who's been been saddled with making a lot of the creative choices that a lot of the hardcore fans, the old school fans, don't like. Yeah. And her time with Disney theoretically could be over this October. That's when her contract ends if, she, if it's not renewed. Right. But but the Disney trilogy was really her baby. And there's the pictures of her wearing the shirt saying the force is female and all this. Uh, they, they interjected our modern political sensitivities right. into women. Star Wars. Women. Space women. But there was rumors that it was at least being discussed that the Disney movie trilogy could be retconned. I mean, they retconned the expanded universe from Lucasfilm before mm-hmm. that they could retcon these movies because they were so poorly received and just basically kind of have a mulligan and do-over. Do-over. That, now, that might sound like a pipe dream, but I want you to take a look at this. So this was the poster from Disney. This is not fan-made. This was the Disney poster mm. to celebrate May the 4th, Star Wars Day for 2021. Right. Now, I want you to take a look at that poster and tell me if anything strikes you as odd. I mean, there's none of that garbage. <laughs> there now you've got you've got some of the you've got some of the ancillary characters involved with the TV shows. You've got some Clone Wars. You've got some Rebels in there. Yeah, but you have no exclusively Disney trilogy movie represented. <sighs> On that poster. And that's from Disney. Yeah. Now, do you think Disney would just make the sudden mistake to not have those characters? No Ray, no yeah. Poe, no, no Finn, no Disney, Kylo. 
Yeah, Disney does not make mistakes. Like, that's just something they don't do. I mean, they make mistakes in, like, their creative decisions to do those movies. Those were mistakes. But they don't make that kind of mistake. They're very, very particular about everything they do. So, yeah, that's it's pretty interesting. So, I mean, you know, take it from me, somebody who they freaking they ruined Game of Thrones. Yeah. I'll never watch it again. I'll only wait for the books, which mm-hmm. by wait for the books, I mean until I die because <laughs> they're not coming out. And then they and then they also that. ruined Star Wars basically in the same era of yes. modern media and film. Right. And so maybe I'm just naive, but I'm going to maybe we have a new hope. I don't know. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> I feel like it would have went over better if you didn't draw so much attention to it. <laughs> well, speaking of drawing attention person. to yourself, look, look at this. Is it even, is the mustache even on you right now? I mean, you know, it's on mostly. I smile a lot. Fair enough. Okay. So the next thing I wanted to bring to your attention, a lot of people on Twitter were talking about the Biden family, Joe and Jill Biden, went to go visit the Carters, former president Jimmy Carter and his wife. And they and they took a picture together. I want you to look at this picture right here. Well, you want to talk you want to talk about looking at pictures and saying, does something stand out at you? Jesus. So Wow. The, today I learned yeah. former President Jimmy Carter and his wife are actually marionettes. <laughs> I mean, I just I keep thinking of that, the music from It's a Small World going through my head. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you know, the thing is, though, is that they're marionettes that are controlled by the Bidens, but it's Jill Biden that controls President Carter. Right. And it's President Biden who controls Mrs. Carter. I wonder if that's like, like, I bet he loves the smell in there. You could just smell that picture. That is about as happy I've seen Joe look, to be honest with you. (laughs) Replete. He's like, dad. Replete, replete with the one little stigmatism eye thing he's got going on there. It's, it's, it's an eye that really says, yeah, I've had a stroke or two. What up? (laughs) I'm thinking like, he thinks this is his mom and dad come back to life. (laughs) Or, or his son come back to life. Oh, shit. All, all I'm going to leave you with, ladies and gentlemen, is if that picture isn't proved, you got to think long and hard before you take experimental drugs because you may, you may grow 50%. You may shrink 50%. And, and really, but you know what? Who am I to judge? I mean, you're just as good as anybody else. <laughs> and lastly, before we end the monologue tonight, sad news. Oh. I know you're devastated. No, speaking Bill, of failed experiments. Bill and Melinda Gates have called it quits. Ending there. I'm going to read this for you. This is straight from Mr. Windows himself. (laughs) After a great deal of thought and a lot of work on our relationship, we have made the decision to end our marriage. Over the last 27 years, we have raised three incredible children and built a foundation that works all over the world to enable all people to lead healthy, productive lives. We continue to share a belief in that mission and will continue our work together at the foundation. But we will no longer believe we can grow together as a couple in this next phase of our lives. We ask for space and privacy as our family, or for our family, as we begin to navigate this new life. Melinda Gates and Bill Gates. 
<laughs> so, so what have we learned today? Um, <laughs> we've learned that lizards don't mate for life. <laughs> um, we we've learned that just just the audacity of Bill Gates to ask for space and privacy exactly. for his family. Because God knows every other family in America has been asking for privacy and space from Bill and Melinda Gates for years. Right. But that really isn't my final takeaway. Mm. My, final ta- my final takeaway was a lot of people on Twitter were saying, ooh, you know, Bezos' wife left him. And now Melinda Gates has left Bill. So first of all, wouldn't that be the, the most expensive three-way you could ever have? I know. Just- oh, maybe they're going to be a couple. That'd but here's nice. the thing. A lot of people were saying now just I can't like you can feel the energy in the air. <laughs> you're waiting. You're waiting for the tell all memoir from Melinda Gates where she's going to expose right. all the seedy stuff that goes in the background. Right. Folks, that's not going to happen. Right. And it's not that it's not going to happen because she doesn't perhaps have a lot to say or that it wouldn't be a huge best selling book. It's not going to happen because have you ever heard of a guy named Jeffrey Epstein? <laughs> hmm, maybe. Once when you get when you get that high up in the cabal and you decide to bail, you get got. Yeah. And that is why you're not going to have a tell all from Melinda Gates. Um I mean, I feel like that was a pretty good monologue. What do you think? <laughs> Muy bueno. <laughs> well, but it's but you're talking too, so it's really more of a duologue, then. It's not du- really a monologue. Yeah, duologue. C. <laughs> Correcto. <laughs> is that is that one for real? Yeah. Oh, oh no, look! Look at Sherry! Look at her! It's we're, oh, we're, yeah. we're having we're having We're gonna we're gonna get that looked at, yeah. guys. Don't take we're gonna that come, jab. We're gonna come back from the break with the meme of the week and the viewer mail. Right after this, don't go away. If you're enjoying tonight's show, consider supporting the program by becoming a member of our Patreon. That's over at patreon.com slash Alan Mosley. Guys, welcome back to the show. Hey, Sherry. Yes, Alan. Or, sh- or should I say, El Sherry? <laughs> El Sherry. El, El, El Sherio. Yeah. Or sh- Sharia. 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 <laughs> oh my God. Sharia. What time is it? It's me the week. The Menthol Patrol. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. I tell you what, oh. if, that, if that's what it takes to get menthols off the street, then God bless them. Those, those just society crushing cools. Yeah, those paramilitary yeah. cops. <laughs> yeah. I've always said that if we could get rid of the Newports, then we would re- retake America. <laughs> You know, that that sounds like the type of thing you would do if you were trying to make America great again, but it's Biden's the one doing it. Right. I mean, they're so different, Alan. They're really different people. You're talking about Biden or black people? <laughs> Trump and Biden. They're they're just super different. Okay. Policies are so different. 
You know, if 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 Mexican people get Cinco de Mayo, what day do black people get? February. Racist. <laughs> they get the day of February. That's right. I tell you what. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna suffer your bigotry anymore on this program, <laughs> Sherry. I know. Racist. But we do have a couple of runner up this week. So this was runner up number one. <laughs> what a bust. My stepdad's gonna be really upset because he's he used to smoke cools. I guess he doesn't smoke anymore though, but look just by the way, look at look on the far right. Look at that trooper on the far right with his little <laughs> wide brim hat. Yeah. Just a he kind of looks like he kind of looks like if Sonic the Hedgehog was a state trooper. Because <laughs> he's doing the thing where he's kind of like sitting, like like right? uh, like kill that, like he's 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 kind of standing wide chested, like kill that picture. Yeah. He's 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 doing the Sonic thing where Sonic like stands with his arms out like oh, this, right, you know. Okay. It. I mean, he's either that or he's just retarded. I I don't know. It's... Why not both? <laughs> he's a cop. No, Sherry, it's porque no los dos. Oh. Jesus. Sharia. <laughs> and then finally, the last runner-up. How do how do I record the prices right? <laughs> it just looks like he's you know so serious about it too. Did you grow up watching the Prices Right? I did. I love the Prices Right. So I grew up watching The Price is Right. And I, and I got to tell you, this is like far be it for me to go off on a random pop culture tangent, just like <laughs> we did at the start of the program. Um. I, I actually really like Drew Carey. Yeah. I would love to get Drew Carey on the show. I've actually heard that he's like a libertarian he, or something. He does think he's a libertarian, yes. He thinks he I mean by Hollywood standards, he's if he doesn't definitely. want if he doesn't want to bang your child <laughs> and take your newports, then Right. Wear your yeah. wife's clothes. <laughs> <laughs> but I like Drew Carey and I like the price is right. But I don't like Drew Carey. On the prices, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can like see. you. Know, like they they basically do all the same rigmarole and the sayings and his little mic and all. It's just not yeah. the same. It's no, I mean that's like it's like Will Smith following Rob Robin Williams, right? Like Will Smith did a fine job as the genie, but mm -hmm. the same way, you know, Drew Carey is no Bob Barker. It's just they're it's a different thing. So you're saying that a black man can't play a blue genie as well as a white man can play a blue genie. Is that what you're saying, Sherry? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. I thought so. With that said, this is, I literally in the break said, hey, the show's going well this week. And now look at it. <laughs> you're welcome. You know, let's go ahead, go ahead and answer some viewer mail. First question tonight comes from Mary Lynn Willimowski, Dave and Mary, Liberty Late Night, yeah. who says, Dear Alan and Sherry, what are your thoughts on zoos, inhumane or not? Do you visit them? Sherry, do you visit zoos? Yes. Okay. So, so you do, you, you do then pay, you, 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 you support them. You use your money to, what's the word I'm looking for here? Patronize. Um, you're patronizing. Well, you're patronizing them, yeah, but you're you're continuing the the uh, suffrage oppression of, the of suffering. The animals. Yeah, yeah. I, I, they had homeschool classes there. So. Oh, okay. So, so you're so all the children are also slavers. Is what you're saying? Yeah, of course. Okay. <laughs> all right, I'm just making sure. Um, I so I have visited zoos. 
And actually, to be honest with you, I guess I'm a hypocrite because I have visited zoos, but I actually don't love zoos. I actually do think that the animals shouldn't be, yeah. you know, I mean, captured. And sometimes it's kind of sad, you know, but I, like the Knoxville Zoo is very nice zoo. And I don't think people understand that a lot of these zoos do a lot of work in helping those animals in the wild as well. I know Knoxville Zoo does, and they have a lot of programs to raise money for actual wildlife funding, you know, conservation. So mm. I think there's a trade-off, you know, and, and it's it's cool to let the little kids see these animals and then want to do better to protect their habitats mm -hmm. and things. So it, it reminds me, like, remember all the pictures that they took of AOC when she went down to visit the border and look right. at all the kids in cages. Right. But now she but now she hasn't done that since the situation has gotten 10 right. times worse under Biden. Of course. So that just goes to show that what you said is right. Sometimes it's sad. Yeah. Sometimes but only, it's just a fun But only walk. sometimes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Avery writes, Dear Alan and Sherry, in honor of the Kentucky Derby, do you make an Appaloosa if you shake it to tree? So I want to I want to apologize for the audience. Andrew is making an equestrian related joke, and I feel like that might be a bit too esoteric for this program. Possibly. There's some bronies so I, watching, though, I'm sure. That's not. <laughs> it, could we go one whole episode without talking about bronies, pedophiles or rape? Which, frankly, those overlap a lot. Yeah. If you think libertarians, libertarians, <laughs> altists. Uh, oof. Oof. Could you quit scaring off our only re remaining target demographic? I'm sorry. Jesus. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jonathan Carranza writes, "Dear Alan and Sherry, why are the fish not biting?" You know, this is the thing. So Jonathan's supposed to be our social media manager. And I noticed like two weeks go by, he basically has done nothing at all for the show. And then I look on Facebook and there's all these pictures of him out on the lake in Washington state with a fishing rod. Gone fishing. Son of a bitch. <laughs> so the answer to your question, Jonathan, is the reason they're not biting is you didn't hold your tongue the right way. <laughs> so there you go. Correct. Uh, Clay Davis writes, Dear Alan and Sherry. Did you watch WandaVision on Disney? And if so, in your mind, do the actions of the Scarlet Witch now qualify her as a villain? So I can't answer that because, in fact, I have not watched WandaVision. And I'll tell you why. Um, there's two reasons. So the first one is, is I actually kind of think I'm done with the Marvel Universe yeah. cinema. Like I, so I watched Endgame and it wasn't a perfect film. But it did do a good job of taking all of those references, all those characters, all those plot lines and bits and pieces and and bringing it all to a huge dramatic conclusion. And then with just a little bit of tape left over so you can kind of get some some little neat bows on some right. of the uh, some of the main characters as they are exiting stage left. Yeah. And I was like, so. So I'm done then. Like yeah. that's, this is, it literally says the word end in the title. <laughs> this is the end for me. Fin. And, and I'm, and I'll just be, I'm not particularly interested in continuing to invest the time and energy into following because it's a whole universe, right? It's not like just right. watching one. You got to watch them all. And you know, yeah. so I'm, so first of all, I'm just kind of done with it. And second of all, no, I don't watch it on Disney because have you not heard anything we've said, Clay, 
<laughs> they ruin Star Wars. They they go film movies out at concentration camps in China yes. and then thank them for the opportunity. Clay. Clay's a communist. <gasps> no. Can't Clay. be. Communist. <laughs> Uh, Lyle so that now, so now I'm ruining our only remaining target demographic. Our only viewer, and you're ruining it. (laughs) Uh, Lyle Dirio writes, Dear Alan Ashiri, did you report any cryptocurrency purchases or sales on your taxes? (laughs) Taxes. Hmm. (laughs) Report. Yeah. Shh. So, so first of all. I feel like you're kind of, you're, you're at least partially defeating the purpose of crypto if you're reporting it at all. Right. And second of all, but I'm not giving anyone any advice because I've never owned any cryptocurrency. I've never bought, sold, or traded anything. And I've always reported every one of my assets to my friends at the IRS. Ditto. Okay. Lyle. <laughs> Lyle might be a communist too I now that we're on the I think informant much. <laughs> It's a good thing we're going to talk about communists later in the show. I, yeah. Clay, Lyle, you stick around to the last second. Content just for you, buddy. Adam Sakosin writes, the show was doing so much better a segment ago. Do you ever get that feeling? Yes. Okay. Time. So, like, one of your jobs is to signal to me, hey, the show went off the rails. I mean, you have I mean, me no, on here. I mean your nothing. judgment is already kind of... I mean, I mean nothing. Adam Sakosin writes, Dear Alan and Sherry, do you drink sweet tea? He says, do you drink sweet tea or are you a Yankee? But see, Adam's actually confused. So actually, no Southerners drink sweet tea. We actually perpetuate that myth to get all of you Yankees to die of diabetes. <laughs> the South will rise again, my friend. And this is how we will do it. Is that? Would you consider that to be a nonviolent coup? I, you know, that... I is- mean, they're the ones that drank the poison, right? We didn't force it. We just offered yeah. them delicious sweet tea. I, mm-hmm. Their decision. Yeah. Wilfred Brimley, he's our best agent. <laughs> didn't he die? Probably. He had diabetes. Okay. <laughs> but, but he lived with diabetes. <laughs> we're not, we're not talking. We're not. The last, last question. Celeste Annis writes, Dear Alan Sherry, what is the weirdest dream you could remember? Sherry, what's the weirdest dream you can remember? I don't think I can say that on. Okay, what's the weirdest dream you can remember that is PG-13 or down? I mean, I've had lots of weird dreams. I can't really think of one right now. So okay. I'm just going to defer to you, Alan. Um, The weirdest dream I can remember is probably Ron Paul 2008. <laughs> to dream the impossible dream <laughs> but you know the the scariest thing i woke up and there's a bumper sticker on my car wow yeah wow that's creepy man this is creepy <laughs> what happened to this show we used to we used to just come on and there used to be some blonde German guy would yell the name of the show and then Go. we would talk to some esteemed, esteemed, you know, esteemed guest about stuff. Hot dog sandwiches. Yeah. Well, that came later. No. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to talk more about menthols and Newports and the Biden regime and why anyone would vote in 
like a crime bill drug warrior and his top cop, you get what you effing deserve, am I right? Correct. But we're going to save all that for the next segment. We're going to be right back after this commercial break. Don't go on. Your ad could be playing right now, reaching thousands of potential customers. Sadly, it's not, but it could be. Find out how to be an advertised sponsor for It's Too Late with Alan Mosley. Email us at info at alanmosley.tv. Guys, welcome back to the show. So, Sherry, Sherry, you were saying in the break, talking about how a scary movie is not as scary if it didn't have, like, the sound effects and stuff. Yeah, the it. soundtrack. Yeah. Because this show, this show needs a laugh track, I think. <laughs> we just yeah. need, like, like, one really terrible laugher. Well, you're trying your best to be the laugh track, <laughs> but you're only one person. Yeah. That's yeah. me, though. I laugh a lot anyway, so. Well, I was talking about how, like, so they, they've done studies of this and they've showed how, like, you can take a sitcom, like, mm -hmm. you can go take an episode of Friends right. and you can show it to an audience that likes the show. But if you show them the raw tape without studio interaction, la right. you know, laughs, music, whatever, they don't like it. Right. Because it, it kind of, it's like it's unsettling because mm -hmm. they've grown accustomed to way TV's supposed to sound, you know. Right. Uh, and it, it actually got me thinking. I remember... Uh, back when they were filming Lord of the Rings. One of the things that was so awesome about the cinematography of Lord of the Rings was when it was dark, you got the feeling it was dark, but it wasn't literally dark and you couldn't see what was going right. on. Remember when they filmed that one episode of Game of Thrones in their final season where they all the zombies attacked Winterfell and everyone was complaining, I can't even tell what's going on right? because it's so dark. Yes. But in Lord of the Rings, they have like Helm's Deep, Mm -hmm. And it's it's pitch black at night, but you can see everything going on. Right. Because frankly, they just did a they did a better job. Imagine they did a better that. job. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> but the point being was is I remember seeing in one of the little documentary pieces about Lord of the Rings where I think it was the scene where Sam or or Frodo, one of the others, was going through the cave where Shelob the spider is. Right. And of course, it's a dark, dank cave on the cusp of Mordor, and the actor was asking. The, the light, the light in the tunnel, where's the light coming from? Right. Like I'm trying, I'm, I'm, an, I'm a serious actor and I'm trying to get mentally in it, mm -hmm. but I can't reckon with where this light is coming from. And Peter Jackson had an amazing answer. You know what it was? No. It's the same place that the music's coming from. <laughs> That's awesome. And I was like, yeah, damn. Pretty good. That is pretty freaking good. Yeah. I'm so glad I could burn two and a half minutes of our lead segment for tonight <laughs> on cinematography. You're welcome. Yeah. So anyway, our first article tonight is coming from the Fee Foundation of Economic Education. We're talking about the Biden administration's talk of banning menthol flavored and, and flavored cigars, but menthol flavored cigarettes. Nanny state alert. The FDA is moving to ban menthol flavored cigarettes. Paternalistic thinking underlies this nonsense. This is from Brad Palumbo. Uh, it was a, an excerpt from a Fee Daily, a daily newsletter. So there's a few key points that they make in this particular newsletter. Number one, shocker, 
Adults should be able to make consumption choices for themselves. <gasps> what? <laughs> we gotta, we gotta get the Hillary thing back on here. We what ever happened to that? Yeah, that was very. That was more of a postcards yeah, thing. Yeah, that's a postcards thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll find it. Just, I feel like I've I'll gotten. I'm getting Hillary Clinton's cankles though, so I can do it pretty well. Why can't you just have your own cankles, Sherry? <laughs> Why do you have to have Hillary's cankles? I'm a socialist. <laughs> Jeez. That's the next segment. Just just hold on a second. <laughs> yes, smoking cigarettes is bad for your health, increasing the risk of lung cancer, emphysema, and chronic bronchitis, but these risks are public knowledge. Adults have the right to weigh costs and benefits and make their own decisions about what they do with their bodies. Boy, that could apply to a lot of things going on in the world mm, right now. Sure could. It's hard having principles, isn't it? Very. In particular, it's wildly paternalistic for FDA bureaucrats to condescendingly claim that racial minorities and LGBT people are incapable of deciding things for themselves and need the government to be their nanny. So where the, by the way, where that reference is coming from is that in the press conference where they were talking about this, they specifically, this is, this is one of those things where if I went up there and said it, my career is over, right. I'm a racist. They said this unironically that one of the reasons why they're doing this was to help protect minorities because they're adversely affected by mementals. <sighs> yeah. Like that, how is that any different than saying, well, we got to watch your, your fried chicken consumption. Right. Well, I mean, oh, <laughs> I mean, you are perhaps, talking... a, perhaps a grape drink, if you will. Right. We are talking about the guy who, uh, you know, said that Obama was what clean and well spoken or something. What was that quote? So, yeah, but he wore a brown suit though, didn't he? So he's literally, literally going to the Hague. On right. That one. <laughs> not, not not any of the war crimes or Middle East. No, 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 no. not the drone strikes. Right. Uh, number two, banning popular products will create dangerous black markets. Just last year, we saw widespread concern over Americans dying and getting sick from black market THC vaping products, which only exist due to existing marijuana prohibition laws. Nothing similar has occurred with legal market vaping products. We would likely see something similarly dangerous happen with, pro with popular menthol-flavored cigarettes if the FDA goes through with its ban. By trying to save lives, the feds could open the door to other deaths. Imagine that <laughs> having having your having your intent your your intent but then your results and them being different right especially with it being something that the state the heavy hand of the state uh puts together it's unheard of <laughs> you, you know like obviously i know that this this kind of segment in this list in particular is really kind of preaching to the choir mm -hmm. for us and for our for our type of people but it's it's still useful because for one it's 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 not all it's not a bad idea to preach to the, preach to the choir. Sometimes you're just saying, "Hey, look at this look at this crap they're up to." Right. But the other reason why I feel like it's good today is that we've seen this story before. Like it it may mm -hmm. be a different product, it may be a different substance, it may be whether or not you take something at, at, that could potentially harm you or help you. Right. Uh, whether you perhaps wear something in particular across one's yeah. face or, or don't. body it it just it just goes to the principle of the matter of you either believe in liberty or you don't but even for even for the people who don't 
how many more examples of this type of state coercion do you have to have? Not just that you have, but, but that blow up in your face right. that end up either not working or actually causing more problems or creating unintended consequences completely unrelated. How many times do we have to go through this before we don't try it the next time? Right. The answer for them is, I don't know, more, Seven billion. more, more than this one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> more than this. Exactly. And finally, number three, more bans mean, oh no, more law enforcement crackdowns and over-policing of black neighborhoods. Kind of makes you wonder, if you're, if you're a black guy driving down the street and you get pulled over and the officer happens to, oh, like, oh boy, are those menthols I smell? Right. At that moment, is he more likely to die of of lung cancer or a bullet? Right. I'll take number. Yeah. What is a bullet for two hundred, Alex? <laughs> what was the uh, what what was the guy? What was the big guy that they killed? I think it was in New York that they said he was selling. Oh, like, uh, oh, this not Trayvon this, Martin. Um, no, he was a kid. There have been so um, many. I forget his name now, but loose cigarettes. Yeah, he was selling loose cigarettes. Doesn't isn't that the saddest part of the segment? Well, there's been so many. I don't. I know it is. It's terrible. Well, it just goes to show that they will like for the people. It's just like the same type of like weak conservatives who say, "Oh, my thin blue line would never come and take my guns." They wouldn't do that. Like you think you think that they won't kill you over a cigarette ban. You are sorely mistaken. Right. Yeah. We already know. Like, we don't even need this one. We already know they will. Exactly. Yeah. <sighs> even the liberal-leaning American Civil Liberties Union warns that, quote, such a ban will trigger criminal penalties, which will disproportionately impact people of color, as well as prioritize criminalization over public health and harm reduction. For a supposedly progressive administration, this makes little sense. And the FDA ban probably wouldn't even accomplish much. As Reason Foundation Director of Consumer Freedom, Guy Bentley notes, similar bans in the European Union, Canada, and Massachusetts all had only small impacts on smoking reduction. Mm -hmm. so, so again, just to drop the point home, so not only do we see this story play out time and time again, but you actually have real-world data of this specific product being banned with little to no net positive result. And they still want to do it anyway. Right. And, you know, it also goes to the fact that, you know, they talk about the slippery slope. And, you know, we've had the drug war in this country for how many years now? 30, 40 years. And, and mm -hmm. things have gotten worse, not better. And, you know, that's one of the, the points that many people made at the time was, where does it stop? And this is apparently it doesn't stop at cigarettes. You know, apparently it won't stop at what soap you're using or whatever. Like, if they can do this, what's to say they can't do anything else? Exactly. So, so to wrap up on the menthols, I'm actually going to switch to a different article. Check this out. This is from the Mises Institute. This was this is our old old pal Uncle Murray, Murray Rothbard, Aww. back in 1994, writing "Tobacco Smokers: America's Most Persecuted Minority." Now, I know that that might be a little triggering for some people, <laughs> right. but the article goes on to talk about in great detail that smokers as a people, if you look at how how smokers as a class of citizens would have been treated in, say, 1955 mm -hmm. versus how smokers are treated today. Definitely today. This was in 1994. I mean, you're going from basically the height of pop, pop culture icon to just complete unperson. You're, you, you know, just absolutely demonized secondhand, you know. And look, I'm not a smoker. 
smoking, like I'm allergic to smoke. Smoke kills me. Right. I mean, smoke kills everyone, but, but <laughs> eventually, I don't know, like, no, me, so me specifically, I die from smoke and all of you else are fine, but I get killed by smoke, but you know, the smallest minority is the individual. But anyway, uh, so I'm actually going to skip to the bottom of, of Rothbard's article here. So he, he goes on to talk a little bit about this kind of neo-puritanism and specifically of the left. And it's not just the left in all cases, but in this particular case of the left mm-hmm. to, of you know, you, you. You think of the the not just the policing of morality, which is certainly what Republicans do, but for the left, they they police they they police the different areas of consumerism, but they they equate it with morality. Right. So you are now evil if you do this thing, even though you know I can't find anything in the Bible about smoking a, a Newport, right. but we'll <laughs> we'll make it evil. Right. So 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 skipping down to the bottom, he says. So what happened to the aggressively Christian features of neo-Puritanism to the emphasis on salvation and on the kingdom? Interestingly, over the decades, the Christian aspect gradually disappeared. After all, if as a Christian activist, your major focus is not on creed or liturgy, but on using the government to shape everyone up and stamp out sin, eventually Christ fades out of the Mm. picture and government remains. The picture of the kingdom of God on earth becomes secularized or atheized, and in the Marxist version, the secular sin-free kingdom is brought about by the terrible swift sword of the saints of the Communist Party. I love how Murray can just make everyone a commie. Yeah, it's beautiful. We have arrived at the grisly land of left Puritanism. By the way, he's using capital L, left Puritanism. He wrote this in 1994, by the Mm -hmm. way. Left of a left kingdom, which proposes to bring about a perfect world free of tobacco, inequality, greed, and hate thoughts. 1994, by the way, Right. Uh, we have arrived in short in the land of the enemy. And remember, if today they come for the smoker, tomorrow they will come for you. If today they grab your cigarette, tomorrow they will seize your junk food, your carbohydrates, your yummy but empty calories. And don't think that your liquor is safe either. Neo-prohibitionism has been long on the march. What with sin taxes, a revealing term, isn't it? Outlawing of advertising, higher drinking ages, and the neo-Puritan harpies of mad, mothers against drunk driving. Boy, go after... (laughs) Are you ready for the left nutritional kingdom with everyone forced to confine his food to yogurt and tofu and bean sprouts? Are you ready to be confined in a cage to make sure that your diet is perfect and that you get the prescribed compulsory exercise, all to be governed by a Hillary Clinton National Health Board? 1994, just by the way, I don't know if I mentioned that earlier. Right. God damn. Yeah. I, it's great. You know, and there he's like so many of the things that he's talking about there are actually like Biden was just talking about, you know, banning red meat or something like it's it's nuts how uh, you can just see this stuff coming down the pipe because, you know, once they start, w- there's no stopping them because they're going to regulate you into utopia. Well, I don't know about no stopping them. I mean, well, for, for Cinco de Mayo, yeah. we should point out that a bullet <laughs> sounds the same in every language. Right. <laughs> That's true. Guys, we're going to be right back to talk more about them commies right after this break. Don't go away.
guys, welcome back to the show. Sherry, did you happen to see the hubbub that was on Twitter, I guess towards the end of last week, that there was, honest to God, a communist march in Austin, Texas? No. Go, go, ahead, and, go ahead and play for everybody the soy parade. I love the curly-haired lady at the end who looks back at the camera like, are you seeing this? <laughs> Is this really happening? So, so anyway... With that said, I actually wanted to talk a little bit about why it is or why it shouldn't be that those those rambunctious youngsters <laughs> can walk down an American street and not suffer any serious repercussions walking around with the hammer and sickle. Right. The, the likes of which they would get if they were walking around with Nazi flags. So our first article here is from Fee. It's actually a couple of years old. Uh, why the hammer and sickle should be treated like the swastika. Why do we treat two equally bloody ideologies in such starkly different ways? It's from Richard Mason over at Fee. So he talks a little bit about, about many of us feel the kind of uneasy seeing the, those two symbols. Mm -hmm. uh, but upon seeing the swastika, you, you're just immediately reminded of the evils of the Nazi regime and, and the Holocaust and, and all that stuff. But... You, but a lot of people don't react that way when they see the hammer and sickle, even though you have the, the, the gulags Kulats. and yeah, in, in Cambodia, mm -hmm. in the killing fields. Uh, Armenia. And so, so, yeah. So why are these treated so differently? And he actually has in the article talking about how you want to talk about being treated differently. So journalists in the UK like openly in in their articles proudly advocate communism and uh and statues of Karl Marx that have been erected there's actually one believe it or not there, did you know that there's a statue of Vladimir Lenin in Seattle no that is there, disgrace yeah a blue yeah, there is so anyway let's get into it so why so why do these equally bloody ideologies get treated in starkly different ways he starts off with, this is probably one of the most common objections you hear from people in that camp. Mm -hmm. Real communism's never been tried. <laughs> I don't know why that's my, that's my commie voice. I just, I just, I just decided. All to the soy. That. Yeah. So. <laughs> soy. So. The answer may lie in the, the misperceptions of virtue. Nazis rightfully are seen as a hateful and vicious because their ideology is built around the idea that one group is superior to the other. It's an inherently anti-egalitarian ideology, a violent belief that was put into practice only once by those who devised it. As such, there's no justifiable way that a fascist could argue that wasn't real Nazism. That's the same as not true for co communism, as they would claim. Right. But... So we see this argument all the time. You see the people in the far left who have the different the different styles of communism. So there's Stalinism, and then there's 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 the ANCOMs, the anarcho communists. Mm -hmm. They're not libertarians, by the way, for you morons who think that. Correct. There's Maoism, there's Trotskyism, uh, and then of course just the classic Marxism. But you know, Karl Marx never, because he was a loser, right? So Karl Marx never really implemented communism himself. Right. But the leaders of the communist states always, you know, they have this get out of jail free card. But the shortcomings, the tragedies, the crises of communist regime faces can always be blamed on the misapplication 
of Marx's infallible roadmap to utopia. But in a way, advocates of communism can continue to paint themselves as protagonists, right? Mm-hmm. So the Nazis are inherently evil. They, you know they're the bad guys in the movie, right? right? You just know this. But communists can say, well, we're the good guys because, again, talking about intentions versus results, their intentions are all of these good things, are on equality and, and utopia. <clears throat> They're only ever fighting for the liberation of the working class and the creation of a worker's paradise that has nothing to do with the false prophets of before. At worst, advocates of communism are seen as misguided, but ultimately well-intentioned. Which brings us to the point, where do we draw the line? So Richard (laughs) goes on, this is the nub of the issue. While Nazism is intrinsically linked to the crimes of its followers, communism can always be separated. No one would tolerate a t-shirt emblazoned with Adolf Hitler or Benito Mussolini, yet the wildly oppressive Che Guevara is easily detached and morphed into a symbol of revolution. I mean, you still, I mean, you still see those everywhere all the time. Yes. So where do we draw the line? The communist ideology in its purest form might be separated for its, from its implementations, but at what point does its awful track record discredit any attempts to advocate it? Mm-hmm. Our old boy Uncle Murray from the last segment, Murray Rothbard, excuse me, Murray Rothbard once said, it is no crime to be ignorant of economics, but it is totally irresponsible to have a loud and vociferous opinion on economic subjects while remaining in the state of ignorance. Mm-hmm. So, to, so to end, we need to say the same about communism. To continue advocating communism despite its dismal track record is neither well-intentioned nor misguided. It is a deliberate attempt to push a provably dangerous ideology. The history of communism is as bloodstained as that of Nazism, much more so, as a matter of fact, it's time we treated it as such. But actually, before we wrap up on this point, I wanted to touch on, so that was the end of Richard Mason's article, but there was, there was one other article that touches on another popular objection, which is, well, you know, communism and communists are on one far end of the spectrum right but fascists on our different end of the spectrum they're not nazis were not socialists they were fascists and so they belong in a separate category that receives this greater ire than the socialists do not so says the absolute genius david gordon over at the mises institute this is david gordon who says yes the nazis were socialists so this article, which you, you can guys read for yourself over at Mises.org, Yes, the Nazis for Socialist, David Gordon. So he's actually writing in response to an author named Scott Sehan, who wrote the article, No, the Nazis were not socialists. And the main crux of Sehan's argument was, was that he, so he points to a 25-point Nazi program in 1921, and he says that in this program, they don't call to nationalize industrial production. Rather, it's largely pro-business, and it's directed at the Jews. When the Nazis talked about expropriation, they meant taking property belonging to Jews. They were quite in favor of private property for others. Those are the words of Sihon. So David Gordon says, all right, I'll call your bluff. Let's look at that 25-point 20, that Nazi program. Mm-hmm. If you look at the program, it isn't quite what comes to mind. Its dominant theme is that the German people have come together as a collective entity. The common good must be put before the individual good. Differences in class and wealth must be strictly subordinated to the good of the German people as a whole. 
Points 10 and 11 of that program. Number 10, the first obligation of every citizen must be to productively work mentally or physically. The activity of individual may not clash with the interests of the whole but must proceed within the framework of the whole for the benefit of the general good. We demand, therefore, abolition of unearned work and labor incomes, breaking of debt slash interest slavery. Sounds pretty damn socialist to me. Uh, pretty socialist, I would say. Point, point number 14 is we demand that the profits from wholesale trade shall be shared out. And crucially, point 24 we demand freedom of religion for all religious denominations within the state. So long as they do not endanger, but. <laughs> right. So long as they do not endanger its existence or oppose the moral senses of the Germanic race. The party in capitals as such advocates the standpoint of a positive Christianity without binding itself confessionally to any one denomination. It combats the Jewish materialistic spirit within and around us and is convinced that a lasting recovery of our nation can only succeed from within on the framework. The framework being the good of the community before the good of the individual. Hmm. Uh, Seems pretty clear. <laughs> So the last point here that we'll close on. So Sihan uh, argued that Hitler, when he was in power, wasn't a radical the way a socialist radical would be. There were socialists in the Nazi party, such as Gregor Strasser, but Hitler kicked them out and in many cases killed them. He surrendered to big business in order to gain power. He did not nationalize the major industries of Germany. He was no socialist, but favored private property and business enterprise. However, as uh, David Gordon comes back with, he talks about Mises's, Ludwig von Mises' vital distinction between two different kinds of socialism. In one of them, the state owns the means of production, mm -hmm. socialism. But in the other, still another type of socialism, private property still exists, but the state tells the owners what to do. This is a form of central planning and it still counts as socialism. And that is what the Nazis put into practice. Which, by the way, if you're going to make your case on that not, Nazis not being socialists because Hitler targeted socialists in his regime and often killed them. There was this gentleman named Joseph Stalin. <laughs> Might have heard of the guy. And yep. he was actually pretty well known for targeting other good party men in his own regime. Sometimes people that were 100% his own friends and allies right. and targeting them for execution for one reason or another. We, we may never truly understand it. So, that, so we're going to end with this lovely little meme from the victims of communism right here. So you have national <laughs> socialism and you have international socialism. <laughs> Where's the yes, lie? Yes, Nazis were socialists. Where's the lie? Scanning. Scanning. Scanning complete. Lies detected. Zero. Zero. <laughs> Guys, we're going to be back to wrap up the show right after this break. Don't go away. Hi guys, it's Alan here, and I want to take a moment to let you know about one of our supporters who started a new business. Laura Moreau sells 50 different health and wellness all-natural products, from weight loss, supplements, energy enhancers, body toning, longer and stronger hair, and so much more. Do you like coffee? Well, they even have coffee that'll help you drop some pounds. And who doesn't want to drop a few pounds? Go check her out at her online store at lauramoreau.itworks.com today. That's lauramoreau.itworks.com. 
like our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash TV. You can follow me on Twitter. That's twitter.com at TV. Subscribe to our YouTube page. It's youtube.com slash TV. Guys, also don't forget, if you're not a big fan of Big Tech, you can go on over and support us on Odyssey, decentralized platform run by the library, guys. You can find us at It's Too Late with Alan Mosley or search Alan Mosley TV. Don't just complain about Big Tech. Go support a decentralized platform. Also, if you're more of a listener than a watcher, you can listen to us on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. Thanks to Anchor FM. Go to Anchor FM, Alan Mosley TV. Give us a listen. Give us a like, some support, all that good stuff. Or your favorite podcasting platform of choice. Uh, so Sherry, I wanted to give you an update. Okay. I've decided I may still cut my hair off, but I'm not going to cut my hair off yet. All right. Good. Because I like that. a lot of people don't know the reason I grew my hair out was because I wanted to dress up as Jon Snow for Halloween. Right. But that was, uh, now, now they ruined Game of Thrones. I'm not going to dress up as Jon Snow now. <laughs> so I have to, I was trying to think of, well, what's another character I can dress up for? For Halloween, that has like maybe like the long curly hair, and and I thought Jesus. <laughs> now I I think you mean Jesus Allen on this special occasion. I don't think I tan well enough to be Jesus. <laughs> Correct. Uh, should I be Jesus or should I be Jesus? Jesus. Because those mean, are different. Right. I feel like those are different people. Right, right. When one, one yeah. has a little chain steering wheel. <laughs> well, if you're Jesus, then you have like the robe and the sash and the right and, and the branches and all that. If you're Jesus, you have a cord's light. Right. <laughs> and Leonard Skinner on the eight track. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, you gotta tat. You know, maybe I'll I'll talk to our friend Stephen Rose and get the little anarcho Christian tattoo. Yeah. Jesus would have one of those. <laughs> Stephen's never going to talk to me again. No, no, we're yeah. done. Do you, do you have a final thought? Um, yes. Better muerte than rojo. Where, what happened to the mustache, by the way? Did it just, it just is no longer with us? It disintegrated. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of It's Too Late, and we will see you next week.